This is Creators in Vietnam with Tuesi and Moni. We aim to inspire you on your journey by interviewing creative entrepreneurs across Vietnam who make a positive impact on their community and their own lives. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today we have the pleasure to welcome Denise Sanquist. She's the CEO and co-founder of Vietnam's fastest-growing AI social and dating app Fika. With over 1 million downloads globally, only one year after its soft launch in November 2020, Denise already has a wide catalog of inspiring and moving stories from being adopted as a baby to a Swedish family, joining the military service at 19 years old, finding her biological mother in Vietnam in 2016, and today being one of the leading women CEO in a Vietnamese tech startup. We invite you to discover these stories in some of the other interviews she has given. Because in this episode, we decided to focus on the unfortunate passing of her adoptive mother when she was nine and the influence that it had on her life. It is only recently that she started learning how to express her more vulnerable side and we're discussing how that has impacted and is still impacting her relationships. We also talk then about the challenges of having a relationship and how this all connects to how Fika approaches it differently by hoping to be a supportive third party in growing relationships. We're so grateful that Denise allowed us to share this intimate moment with her where she practiced vulnerability and that in itself shows her incredible inner strength and experience. So thank you so much, Denise, and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Creators in Vietnam. This is Moni, and today I'm here with my co-host, Tracy. Hello. <laughs> and Denise. Hello. Nice to be here. Yes, we are so excited to welcome Denise on the podcast because we've seen her a lot around social media and <laughs> in the news as well. So just a little bit of intro about Denise. She's the CEO and co-founder of Fika which is an AI-based dating app. She was born in Hanoi and got adopted by a Swedish family as a baby. I'm really excited to learn more about Denise and all her background and mm. how she became the person that she is today. So welcome, mm. Denise. Thank you. Thank you for the intro. Very excited <laughs> to, to be here. <laughs> okay, just as a start, we always ask our guests about their upbringing. So... I'm, uh, we are curious to know how was it grown up in Sweden, mm -hmm. uh, also as an as adopted child. Like, how was your childhood uh, in general? It was good, very good upbringing. And I think I usually get, uh, since I'm in Vietnam now and people are curious about the adoption, for me, it's always been something very, of course, natural. I think it's important how your parents, how your adoptive parents, how they are like approaching it. So for me, a lot of people ask, like, when did your parents tell you that you were adopted? But it's more when you when you go up, you ask, why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? How was it when I was in your stomach? And then your parents will tell you something. So for me, it was always like natural that I was. Yeah, I had um, Vietnamese um, parents as well. And then I came to Sweden because they loved me and just wanted to have a better life. So I've always been very happy to always felt Swedish and then being proud to be adopted from Vietnam. My childhood... Very, very good, like many friends and so. It was something that shaped me a lot was when my, my mom actually passed away when I was nine mm. in cancer. So this is, of course, like a very tough like trauma. And I think that later I understood more how this uh, affected me. So, but then that made me think more about I wanted to become a doctor uh, because I wanted to, you know, come up with a cure for cancer. I wanted to make an impact, like change in some way. But yeah, childhood very good. Grew up in, in Stockholm. My dad met my stepmom when I was 14. Mm -hmm. So they have been together since uh, since then. So that's very good, very like stable and nice for me. 
But I think like between nine and 14, it's, you know, you hit puberty, uh, a lot of things happen, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that shaped me a lot and I became very good at yeah, taking care of myself sort of. So, but yeah, very, very good overall. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, except for that trauma. <laughs> it, it sounds a lot, actually. <laughs> I'm a bit curious, like how, how did it feel when the first time you realized that you are adopted, that moment when, I don't know how, how it happens, like one day your parents just come to you or you just getting curious, like how can we imagine that scene? Mm. Yeah, I have a quite good memory. So I remember when I was like two or so and then I asked my my mom, how was it when I was in your stomach? Did you hear me kicking or how was it? And she said, that, no, but remember that you have Vietnamese mom and dad. And I think, I don't know what people usually ask, but she made this story that she and my dad really wanted to, to have me. And then the call came from adoption center and she was just like screaming of happiness. And then a couple of weeks later, they were on the on the plane to go to Vietnam. And then when the nurses, because I was born in a hospital in, in Hanoi, and then when the nurses came in with me and the feeling when they saw me and uh, and so... So that was, yeah, that's like my story. So that became something very, yeah, it's, natural to me. It seems like your parents were very, I guess, mature and transparent throughout the whole process for you. Yeah. But then growing up in a European country, mm. how was the kids around you? Did they make you feel different? Or was there any situation that, you know, because your parents handled it a certain way, but you know how mean sometimes kids can be. Mm. Was there any type of situation like this in Sweden for you? Yeah, I think this is a very like interesting question because... I actually never like obviously encountered any racism mm -hmm. and and I me and my co-founder so my co-founder is Oscar he's uh, his parents are from China so he's like first generation Swedish grew up in he's born in Sweden but he has experienced it and when we talked about this or like he told me about it mm -hmm. and I thought that I didn't believe him I thought oh. that he was exaggerating. I was like, no, no, no really? No, he yeah. was like, yeah, and he didn't believe me. Yeah. Like he's like, what? You never. But I think, so I grew up in a very Swedish, like, villa, like, house area. Everyone was Swedish. All my friends Swedish. I had one Asian friend, and his parents were also from China, and, like, since I was 11. Except for that, like, no Asian friends. And the first Vietnamese person I met was when I was, like, 16 years old. So mm -hmm. I think that I got very lucky. I think if I would have been bullied or people would have reminded me about that I was different or, mm -hmm. or so, that I wouldn't, and I wouldn't like to be different, I definitely think I would have had a like less secure base than I have. I always had found a very got a good balance in being. It, first of all, no one made fun of me. No one mm -hmm. was mean. And I think also since I I've been so secure and happy and proud of, of Vietnam, we had like the like uh, the non la the hat when going mm -hmm. up the the flag, you know, and the things from Vietnam. And my parents always spoke so good about Vietnam, and they said, "Oh, Vietnamese people are so nice. The food and everything." I always felt very proud. So I think that maybe for some people, and I also think that it's um, also like upbringing and different things. But mm -hmm. if someone asks you, where are you from? Some people can take it like, why, like, why, why do you ask me? Like you wouldn't ask mm -hmm. someone else. But for me, if I would get that question, I would be very proud and say, oh, yeah, I'm adopted from, <laughs> from Vietnam. <laughs> so I guess it's also maybe there are some things also that maybe happened, but I didn't maybe see it in that way. This is very interesting. I think I've... I've of all the people that I've met. And I didn't meet so many people that were adopted. Mm. You're the first one that seems to have such a good sense of belonging from the two sides that you were given. So mm. like the Swedish and the Vietnamese one. And it seems like the big moment in your life that made you feel different was actually the death of your mom. Mm. Did, did that event made you the, the independent girl that you are today? 
Yeah. In, in which way? Yeah, I have a performance coach now, actually. Mm-hmm. And you don't know if you are different because everything is benchmark, right? And compares to others. But I thought that I had easiness to learn certain things and I was in a certain way because of my Vietnamese parents. Like easiness to learn. We can talk about them later, but yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh, it's like good, uh, like good genes, like easy mm. to learn, like these mm. kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also thought that, oh yeah, because I had ease, I was always like top of my class. So yeah, I mean, it's if you're good at sports and good at things and then it becomes... You, you don't have to put in that much effort. It becomes fun to win, win mm-hmm. and so. And then now when I've been um, like analyzing like with my performance coach more, what really happened when I was nine and my mom passed away, I mean, that, that feeling is very, it's very, it's like, um, yeah, it's very tough. It's very raw. Yeah. yeah. And then at that time, like uh, no one understands. And also like children or children, they will not understand you. And then after a while, like it takes like a couple of weeks and then like a month and then people forget about it. But you are, you are there with the pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's very difficult. And then for me, I just had to be very good at putting up like a happy face, like um, just moving on with life. And uh, I think that my dad, I mean, uh, amazing and so, but also, I mean, everyone goes through like uh, a trauma. So maybe then when I was younger, maybe it could have been good if I would have spoken up more mm. about my feelings or so but I became very good then at pushing my feelings away or more like focusing on, on things so yeah like the pain was there but then I think since it's it's so much pressure in a way too because people cannot really understand how it feels so then mm. after a while I mean I, I was sad like for like out in poly for, for like a very short time and then you just have to put up a happy face mm. and let it go on and I think that the reason why I think that has helped me a lot in life actually so when it's about doing things, I can always, because I mean, the pain was so extreme and then I know that nothing in life, mm-hmm. it, it's not going to be as hard as that. So I just know that when I'm doing different things, it's never going to be as tough. So I can also compare it to that, like being very, very like, just put myself out there, do a lot of different things. But also when it's about like doing military service, like working out, like pushing myself, if I'm feeling... I'm very good at like controlling my sort of like emotions and feelings. Mm -hmm. And I think I got that. I didn't realize that I got it from there. (laughs) I thought it was my genes or something. I don't know. Like, um, yeah, it definitely comes from there. Yeah, I I, I can relate 100%. My mom passed when I was six. I I can relate in my own way, obviously, because I've dealt with it. Not the same way, like you, you seem like you find some strength in it when I I escape from the pain of it. But it's it's quite interesting to hear uh, your side of the story. And I'm, I'm sorry for what happened, obviously. Yeah. And uh, did <laughs> yeah. you, for me, it's a, it's a, I want to ask you now, you said that it would have been good at that time if you had mm. expressed how you felt. Mm. When were you able to start expressing those feelings? Um, yeah, I think I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> but because... I can talk about everything and mm-hmm. it's like, it's, I don't have any problems to talk about that. But mm-hmm. I think just more like recently, I just realized that, I mean, it's a strength to be able to push your feelings aside or like, you know, to, okay, this mm-hmm. is business, this is personal. I mean, that has helped me so much in life. Yeah. Uh, being very independent, not dependent on like, no one can hurt me. Now I'm aware of it. And I think mm-hmm. that it's, uh, um, I'm just like being aware of it. I'm trying to, I'm more like, I don't like to, I'm never sad, basically. I never mm-hmm. had bad days and so, because if it's something, I just know what to do. I work out or I fix the problem or so. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think that, uh, yeah, I try to, I really st- still try to see the benefit of it. But <laughs> I, I, like, it can also be good, like something happens to you and it's in your mind, right? You can mm-hmm. eat issues, 
it's like things life happens to you all the time and you choose how you want to take it so you can either like oh this matters to me or like it doesn't matter to me and for me i like defense strategy like moving forward strategy be like mm-hmm. okay but who cares you know like like that but then it's also like you don't want to take things too close to you because then it can hurt you yeah. and then i think that now <laughs> i can do maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm, they try to stay in that instead of like doing things like all the time because they always try to officiate my time always being very like efficient effective like mm-hmm. uh, everything but yeah i'm aware of it and uh, that's the first step i think <laughs> <laughs> that's so nice yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, this is so nice thanks for sharing i for me mm. if i can give you my version of this is mm. well first i'm amazed at the fact that you you find so much strength in it i think mm. you subconsciously understood that no physical pain is going to equate mental pain mm. but i'm i'm wondering how today since you're aware of it you you express your vulnerability for me for example it took me years to stop saying that i loved my mom Mm. And it took me just the past three years that I could say I resented her for leaving me. Mm. And it was this whole work that I had to do to be able to, because you can't express love always. You have mm. to express some type of negative feelings that you have towards the people you love. Mm. And I feel like maybe this removed a little bit your right to be vulnerable, if yeah. I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how do you express today in your daily interaction, your vulnerability? Yeah, it's a very good question. It's very tough. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so happy that at my previous job, I got this like 10 sessions with a performance coach. And mm-hmm. I never, usually I'm the person that people go to if they want advice and so on. So I never really felt the need of talking to anyone. But since I got that from my previous job, I was, yeah, I'm happy because then I, now I can see what I can work on. And I think that now being in the position I am, I mean, business is, business is not feelings it's not emotions and you have to be tough <laughs> it's good to be tough and I feel that the better and better I become a businesswoman because when you're going to do the things you do you have to take risks you have to put yourself in different situations and and so and so and I feel that the more, the better I become at that the harder it can be to to like I mean I have to balance it but since now I'm aware about that so I, I don't want to become this um super like no emotion like that kind of uh, lady um so i think that it's good that i can talk to her and i can just like think about that yeah sometimes i go in maybe in i don't know a robot mood <laughs> so it's uh it's not like robot like no emotions more like but it's just like i don't feel like vulnerable mm-hmm. and it's very tough to i think because i'm not naturally vulnerable and sometimes also like growing up and so it can be expected maybe as I'm a, like a girl, like a woman that you should be like mm-hmm. vulnerable, but I'm not naturally like that. And now to work on being that and like allow myself to be that in yeah. this time also with Fika and when it's actually quite good not to be so vulnerable, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's also good and important. So yeah, yeah it's, a, <laughs> it's a work in it's progress. A work in yeah. progress. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah, getting there. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I can completely relate to this, like how hard it is to work with vulnerability. It's also like a term I start to make friends with, I think only a few years ago, because mm. I, I grew up not really expressing my emotions because the household I grew up with, we don't really talk about emotions mm. and it was not appreciated either. So when I talk about emotions, I felt like a, a sense of weakness of mm. why should I share that I'm sad like oh mm. my god I don't want to look weak and I mm. want to look um, good look perfect mm. in front of my parents mm. and then reconnecting with vulnerability and mm. look at it more like a strength it's a lot of work 
And I can imagine, I don't know how is it for you when you lost your mom, how was the emotions were expressed between you and your dad, whether you had that responsibility to carry on for both of you, like not only for yourself, but also mm. for your dad by showing that you are strong and then you can handle this. You know, it's also like mm. protecting not necessarily maybe yourself, but also your dad. Yeah. So how you think it came out back then based on the past events that you had? Yeah, it's really like what you say. It's um, uh, my dad wasn't maybe super good at expressing emotions. I mean, he's quite. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think I wanted, I didn't want to like bother him as well with my emotions, I guess. So I have a little sister and yeah, I didn't really like allow myself to cry. That, I mean, I was sad like in the beginning, of course, like, you know, you're sad for a longer mm -hmm. time. But I think that since I'm like big sister and uh, um, yeah, yeah, wanted to. Yeah. And also, <laughs> I, I think I remember he was asking me if I wanted to, if we should see like family psychologist or something. Uh, and this was when I was like nine. And I just remember that like, I just hated the idea. Because I felt that, oh, so I'm gonna, we, we like, we're gonna co go there and we're gonna, it's like, we need help. I don't know. I just had that really already then, just wanted to like fix it, fix mm -hmm. it uh, myself and ourselves. But now, like in retrospective, maybe it could have been, maybe it could have been good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to pay the price now, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like how you look at it now, like how do you, um, working on bringing your vulnerability out more or how you look at it now do you still look at it like something you should not have or how you want to incorporate it as a strength let's say into your life right now yeah actually i'm really working on it right now <laughs> i think that like for me to uh, i think like with this like vulnerability it's how i am with like in maybe closer relationships i mean i have very many like close friends but i think to be vulnerable you have to depend on people and you have to you have to let people take care of you and usually i don't let people I, I just don't like to i don't know maybe be taken i don't i'm not i'm used to take care of myself i became very very good at taking care of myself but i see that if i don't because when my performance coach when she she like i always try to work on myself always like analyze like oh i can be better at this and this and this so all the things that I already worked on my perfectionism and about my this and this and this things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she looked at she she saw this emotional inhibition, it's called. So she said, Yes, I think maybe we can I think we can go into this. And it's about you learning to be like vulnerable. And maybe you will not see like the the benefit of this, but I think it would be really good for you. And when I heard that, it was like one year ago, and I was like <laughs> learning to be like like learning to be like vulnerable like how would that benefit me in life but i thought like okay she's the professional right i trust mm -hmm. her and now i realized that but she said also like it's a choice right because i could choose like no i don't want to be vulnerable no i want to continue like this but i really wanted to even though i didn't see like the benefit then i can see the benefit now and i wanted to work on it and i think that if i don't uh, fix it i mean it's a work in progress but then it's gonna be like uh, to be with a person like a mm. boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, I always used to maybe the guy likes me more, you know, like I feel, I just feel very safe that, okay, the other person likes me more. It's always been like my case. And it's, for me, it's always been, and I've, I found it very difficult. I think when, when my friends were saying they were in situations that oh, they liked someone and they didn't like them. Mm -hmm. And I was just looking at it, I was like, oh, I would never put myself in that situation because it would hurt me so much. For me, it looked like impossible to like someone that didn't like me. 
but that is something that you have to overcome right because mm. in one way it can be like a strength or you're so independent like you don't care and so but at the same time if you don't dare to really be like open with your feelings and if you don't love yourself so much and like so secure in yourself that you can just be you can just like be vulnerable and like you can like or like love a person mm-hmm. without knowing exactly how the other person feels then you're also restrained and i think that i i really want to um Uh, to fix this uh, yeah, yeah as soon as possible there, there might be a little bit uh, there is something about control here where maybe mm. you're scared of losing control because mm. uh, for me I can relate to that again because I when when at a young age you're removed from the choice mm. from important choices like having a mom yeah I had a tendency of wanting to control everything mm. and not being able to let go especially of my negative emotions so maybe mm. there's a pattern there I, I don't know if you can remember that, but before nine years old, were you already independent like this? Or this was really the milestone that made you, okay, I'm going to take care of myself. Nobody's going to come into my life and like, you know, control anything about me. <laughs> and I'm going to be tough as nail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like quite normal. I remember when I was two, when we were in Vietnam to adopt my little sister because she's also from Vietnam. Mm. I had always this, I think when you're adopted, you have this like extra reality, right? Oh, like I also have these parents and, and so. Mm-hmm. And I've always been very aware of, of myself and things. And I remember when I was on my third birthday, I remember I, I was always curious about what I would look like when I become a grown-up, like an adult and like how I would think then. So mm-hmm. I remember then, okay, this exact moment, I would always remember this moment now when I'm three. And I, I would compare it to when I'm an adult and I will see if like something changes. So I think that before this happened with my mom, I was always quite aware of things, like, but quite n- normal, I would mm. say. Um, but yeah, definitely, I didn't think about having to take care of my, mm. myself. And so, I mean, when you're as a girl, when you hit puberty and like you get your period and like, you know, you have to buy bras and, and these mm-hmm. things. I didn't want to go to my dad to these kind of things for example yeah. and i think that obviously like just if we would have someone there who would have had my mom was also so my mom she really wanted to like become like a mom and she was very like really dedicated to it and uh, very caring as a person and from me growing up until like nine and always are oh, you hungry um how was your day um and a lot of a lot of interest and then from that to i mean My dad is uh, he's a <laughs> amazing person. Like he's like really loves me. It's just that he doesn't check in in the same way. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then sometimes I, I think I because I always like perform very well in, in school and so when I was playing at other with my my friends and they, they, their parents sometimes could ask me more than my dad <laughs> did mm. or like oh uh, how, how was school oh, oh like oh you're so good you like you did this and this and this so i think that with my dad i mean now i understand how he works and so but it's just that he doesn't really sh- like shake up in that sense mm. he like he's more like quiet and i think if i would have had yeah i think i, <laughs> I think uh, that also might maybe because when you're a child you may don't like completely realize that just like this toughness and this just okay I, I'm gonna do me and I'm gonna be like tough and I'm gonna go for what yeah. I want and so and so. I think that really started after so, nine. So was there a mother figure after this uh, for you or who was that uh, that female presence in your life? It was just you? Just you? Yeah, it was just me. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think if my stepmom, like my dad's wife, that would have come in when I was younger, that would have been, uh, I mean, I call her by her name and so, and I'd like, of course, love her. But I already had five years between nine to 14 
when I had to fix things myself mm. and to let her she's very caring like extremely kind and caring person are you hungry and uh, these mm. kind of questions but then I was almost 15 and then you know you're not a child anymore so yeah, yeah. didn't really have completely that yeah, I, I, it, it uh, really sounds that you actually had to be independent from a very young age. And then it's also made you want to think that you don't want to be, let's say, a burden mm. for others, meaning also for your dad. And then that's also caused you to, to toughen up. And then, and I, I know how it is when your emotions are not received, but it could be received, but you just don't know. At the, I think as a young age, mm. anything can really give you a sign that no, you should not show your emotions. Mm. And I also learned along the way that vulnerability is more about to be seen. Mm. And then it's not necessarily about taking care of, mm. but it's kind of like showing you mm. at that specific moment. Mm. And it doesn't matter if you are happy or sad. Yeah. And it's just that, that, and uh, wow, I, I, I'm really, I'm, it must be hard uh, to to grow up like that. <laughs> <laughs> now we talk with Salso. But, but like, I mean, it's just actually like the recent weeks, I would say, that mm. I really, I mean, really, really understood like the depth of, of this. Because like I said, like this thing of not, I mean, I have a very positive I always thought I've always, always called myself like realistic, but if you ask other people, they say I'm very positive, and I think it's just like what, whatever life throws at me, I just uh, I just like I can see possibilities, I can see the positive thing, I can just I mean, oh, what does it matter in X amount mm-hmm. of years? What does it matter like and, and so and so? Yeah. And I think I never like it's I think with everything, right? It's something, everything good. It, it's something that it can be turned like something maybe like bad, and I think that with this kind of like uh, mindset that I have that, yeah, it's like, go for it. Like, uh, what, what is the worst thing that can happen? And, oh, you have a, because, oh, some, I, I never have like bad days. So, but if, yeah, I had, <laughs> no, so, so, so <laughs> my co-founder sometimes like, can you be more human? It's <laughs> 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 like, you never have a bad day. <laughs> yeah, sometimes people think that like, it's, it's a joke and it's not true. But I had one bad day when I was um, uh, 17. So uh, it was not a bad, it was like bad uh, afternoon, I think. And I just like felt bad. And then I thought that to myself, okay, I will always remember this feeling, how it is to feel like this. And uh, I will just not like to feel like this again. But, and then I felt, I don't know why I felt bad. And, and usually now, like most, like in my life, it's, I always know why. I always know if I, I mean, it's not like I only like up in the sky <laughs> but if something like ah, oh, this this stresses me a little bit or this like whatever then i know ah okay i just go back and think ah it's because of this okay so then i change my mindset about it or i like uh, i change it or mm. i i work out or like okay i know i need to either have to work uh, on it or like fix it immediately or i have to you know just maybe go and work out and then i come back with a, like a fresh mind but i think this has helped me a lot but mm. it lately i have realized that I have to balance it up and have to, mm. yeah, because you you're shutting away a part of yourself. I think if you don't yeah. dare to be vulnerable. I think I think you you're you have great skills at putting things into perspective, which makes them you know less dramatic. Or you you can you're you probably have the capacity of removing the other's fear. So when you when you hear someone's drama or someone's problem, mm. you see it in the perspective of just being logical problem. If we go back to that bad day you had, <laughs> was the feeling, I'm very interested here because it was the feeling you had, something that you had in your childhood 
if you can compare to the bad days because you must have had some bad days in your childhood or around nine years old yeah like i mean after my mom passed away i just wanted to die you know mm -hmm. i mean because it's like it just it was so tough i was writing a diary every day from i was like almost every day from i was eight until i was like 14 i think and i was like writing a lot and it was like it was so tough and i just remember i wanted to i was thinking because i thought that really do i would, would i really like to die like instead of like uh, her because in that case i couldn't like you know enjoy the fact that she would be alive mm -hmm. but then i just like I, i don't know i thought about it and i thought yeah i think that would be better mm -hmm. that would be better because like the pain is so uh it's so tough so i was i had that i really obviously very bad week <laughs> i mean it was like a horrible yeah, yeah. and then yeah i think then my um you never know what was that right or wrong thing to do but then my dad he because i was home one week from school um and then my dad said uh, yeah i think now like i think it's good to get started with things and then i went to to school and then uh, they told the teach the teacher told everyone and then people sent me like these like letters a little bit like uh, yeah so then i mm. Yeah, I had like one week and then, uh, yeah, p people know about it for like a while and then like, but at the same time I was doing like gymnastics at a quite high level, like three, four times per week. So I was there two, it was for two hours each time and then, uh, I mean, we didn't tell anyone there. So I remember this was like seven days or so after it happened and then I was at, with gymnastics, a uh, friend and, you know, they didn't know. So I had to like, you know, act as everything was normal. And then uh, one of them, she said, one of my like peers she said um oh i hate my mom she made my nail polish so ugly here and i was like of course I, I know, I like, oh you should be so happy that you have a mom you know mm. but you know those two things you cannot say and you're like yeah okay. yeah right you know like yeah. whatever i said oh, no, and I, i said i said that until i was 21 yeah. every time someone <laughs> insulted their mom i was like You're so lucky you have a mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe I should have said something. Maybe I should have let it out. Yeah, maybe I should have, yeah. But it, I didn't. it happened the way it happened. Yeah, yeah and yeah. then uh, I think um, just the fact that if I would have had maybe, I mean, it, uh, my, my dad did what he thought was best and I'm not saying that was bad. I just like, uh, just the thing that now looking back, right? I mean, now most of my friends' parents are like, luckily it's like still alive. But just look at it like if a parent dies mm -hmm. and you're what? You're like you're home for one week and then you're supposed to be happy again. And like now these days, I mean, when we're adults, it's yeah, if something that would happen, we'd be like, wow, like tragedy, like you need mm -hmm. you need time, maybe you need you need weeks, maybe months, maybe yeah. you ask like after a year and so. And and for me, like looking back and, and seeing that it's like with my awesome performance coach when I said, like, yeah, maybe you didn't like get enough time that you you should yeah. have had and then when i looked back then i saw that yeah actually it was quite extreme to yeah. to have that week yeah. and mm. then back to business yeah there's <laughs> a, i i've learned just recently two couple years ago that there is a whole process of grief you know the five steps and everything and i was like uh, really because oh, wow. for me it was very similar <laughs> no. it was like it was like oh wow <laughs> denial anger and all those things nobody told me about those things and uh. for me it was very similar i went from like you know six years old mm. my dad waited months to tell us and uh and for me it was like i got i was conditioned just to say Yeah, my mom. My mom died, but it's okay. I'm strong, mm. you know. And then don't pity me. I was like, yeah, never exactly, pity me. Exactly, when yeah. like, when, and I realized this not too long ago. Where when I said don't pity me, all I wanted was someone's hug. 
Yeah. All I wanted it's to so say, sad, yeah, yeah what so. I wanted to say is like, no, actually, I'm not okay. <laughs> just yeah. fucking give me a hug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and we're like, you we're conditioned to just like, yeah, don't don't show anything, because mm. yeah, even if you show, what's gonna happen? You can't cry in class. You can't just be like, you know, and nobody, and even in in our family, nobody teaches you for those moments. Yeah. When it happens, it's just fuck it. Okay, fuck. That's yeah, all. not related to death, but also when you have a breakup, <laughs> when you have a breakup, you also go through that five t- stages of grief, actually, I and it's the same. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the same happens. Okay. Like, <laughs> this is a personal. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you have a breakup, your heart, your heart is broken, but your pride is just so big, and I said, like, no, I'm strong. I'm a strong, independent woman. <laughs> I'm not gonna shed a tear. I'm gonna party, drink. I think, man. <laughs> maybe do it a bit better but i think i also was one of those women who who went on the same path and so i think maybe not everybody can relate to losing a mom or a dad but uh, can relate a little bit through having a breakup like yeah how it feels like i I have a good question for you Uh i think (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah because you because you say you've never had a bad day Mm. but i know for me okay so uh, again, like I, I'm comparing with my life because I feel mm. like I, I'm allowed to do so since mm. we have a very a little bit of similar experience. Mm. I I I was very good at pretending to be in control and uh, to be tough, mm. but all of this disappeared the moment that I was in a relationship because mm. there is nothing more vulnerable but to share your space, your love, yourself with someone else. And every single traumas that I had when I was a kid that wasn't unresolved. Mm just flared up in my 20s every time I was in a relationship. So my question, very simply for you, is you must have had some bad days in relationship, no? Yeah, it's, it's so interesting to have this uh, conversation <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I'm really like it. Working work progress, right? Uh, yeah, I think that this is one of the things where I want to fix this because when I was 17, that was the, I liked uh, a guy a bit more than he liked me. And then, uh, I mean, he did, wasn't mean to me or anything. It was that... I mean, we live in different countries and uh, and like it was like first time I was in love with someone and so so then uh, I was like uh, yeah I, I had this like heart uh, what's called heartbreak, heartbreak. <laughs> I was like it's, it felt bad and then I just decided for myself that okay I would never ever put myself in this situation again and I can joke about it with my friends but I said that that created the player I became after that um, I'm always the one breaking up I mean, I lived in different countries, and so it's very easy for me. I mean, I'm leaving, and so I'm always the one leaving. Uh, not because, like, oh, uh, and now I'm going to move, so we don't uh, we don't continue a relationship. But in the mm. end, looking at the different relationships that I had, I'm, I'm the one breaking up. And I think that is the the sad thing that I realized with myself then is that, I mean, I never saw it as, like, a weakness. I always saw it as a strength that, yeah, like, mm. uh, you, it doesn't, if you leave, it doesn't, now it sounds really tough, but I, it doesn't matter because I have myself. Yeah. But then I guess that in a relationship, yeah, you have that's the thing. You have to be vulnerable. You have to. I mean, because it's, it's not a relationship. And of course, I mean, uh, I think that, like, for me to start a relationship anyway, like before, I really need need. I didn't realize until like latest week. <laughs> 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 that's so interesting we talk about this. <laughs> but I had to like, you know, I, I always. For me, it's but it sounds so crazy, but like power and control, I guess. Mm, yeah, that yeah. I just 
I mean, I'm quite so I, I, I know how to talk to people. And I can also, of course, understand that maybe the person will like me if I if I do this. And so and for me, it's always been that, okay, with with guys, then that they if they really, really like, like really, really like me. And then when I know that they really like me, not because of how, how much you like, I measure like that, but it's just, I feel that they really like me. Mm-hmm. And I can only, I guess that then I can, oh, okay, maybe I like you too. Mm-hmm. So I, I could not say I love you first or like, yeah, I'm in love with you first. I mean, I have to have that. I guess it's just, for me, I saw it as a competition maybe. A little bit mm-hmm. like, I'm, I mean, like, are you going to like me more than I like you? Or it sounds very <laughs> crazy. Mm-hmm. But, um, and that has put me also like, since if the relationship starts like that, and I think that like, not an expert in this, but I mean, someone has to like, it cannot be exactly the same liking, right? I mean, maybe someone likes the other more. And I'm always the one who's liked more, I, w- I would say. It sounds really horrible, but yeah. And I think that just the feeling of that, I know that, I'm liked more and we have the impression of that I'm liked more. It just gives me this sense of control and also that, yeah, it would it would be sad if now no one has breaking up with me, but not, yeah, it would be sad if the person would leave. But like, I mean, in the end, in the very, very core, like I can still, I still have myself. And if I continue with that, it's not gonna be so uh, good. <laughs> so yeah, I had, uh, when I broken up with, uh, of course I'm not uh, completely robot, uh, like mm-hmm. alien so, but I had maybe like a couple of like bad days. I mean, but it's, it's very short, like after it's like- <laughs> Couple after. of hours and that yeah, was it. <laughs> <laughs> because I know like, I just like, sometimes I let myself, oh, it feels bad, like one day or two days. But then my problem then is that I just don't wanna be in that feelings. I just mm-hmm. uh, I just find other other things to do, and I always had the philosophy or like I know that oh you're supposed to do this is this, but also like yeah you're supposed to what makes you feel good, and I just know that okay so I mean this person even if I'm breaking up with a person like whatever like the conflict and so it doesn't feel so good, but I know what to do then to feel better. Before I didn't think it was sadly I thought it was normal, <laughs> but then I just like yeah okay I mean with with everything if you don't want. How can you, a person, an action is an action, right? And it's about to react on it. Like if a person doesn't mean anything to you, like if a person says something bad to you, if you don't care about the person, like what does, how does it matter? And I think that in my mind, once I break up with someone, so, 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 so cynical, <laughs> but then it's, yeah, it's very sad. And then like, maybe I land in the feeling like uh, for a little bit, like a short time. And then I just had decided that, okay, but now I move on. Uh, now I just uh, do other things, just like throw myself at other things like work, sports, mm-hmm. friends, maybe just uh, I, when I was younger, like uh, <laughs> some, finding someone, uh, just like having fun with someone else. And so, so yeah, like there have been more, definitely more than one single <laughs> bad day, <laughs> but not that many. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now before I was maybe seeing that more as a strength, but now actually I'm trying to have, uh, I mean, it's easy for me. The easy part for me is to, if something doesn't feel good, I just, I know exactly how to do with my mind. I know what to tell myself. I know what to do. I know that. But now I'm trying to, right now, I'm trying to also stay in that. And it sucks. It sucks to feel uh, not in control, vulnerable. It sucks. But I know I have to sort of like work on this. So I started at the latest days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. like um, it's... It's nice to, to, to hear your story because I, I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> I mean, uh, because love is, is actually messy, it's uncontrollable, 
and it can cause big pain. I think when we get used to that, that kind of distancing ourselves from and getting over it really fast, we also like get mm. create this like protective mechanism mm. in our brain, like kind of okay, there there might be a potential, but no, let's let's just like stop it that way and then and then move on. I think with this mentality, like I also working on my perfectionism in terms of relationship. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. uh, so and the problem I have that I have an imaginary perfect picture in my head how a relationship should be. And of course a relationship is not like that mm. in, in any way. I think it's nice that you, you want to bring vulnerability back, mm. allow yourself to let the love evolve. Yeah. Apart from me, it really doesn't want this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Isn't, isn't it part of being strong to want to evolve too like to yeah, want to exactly. grow exactly. You, you know that like it's, yeah. it's in the discomfort that you'll yeah. truly be exactly. in control <laughs> so that's why like oh this feels uncomfortable yeah, okay yeah, then yeah. I push forward yeah, yeah. but of course when it's like it's also this thing like why would you make yourself feel bad or sad so a part of me just wants to not work yeah. on this so just like why well, I've never done it so far but I have to do it but I, I know you're the CEO of Fika, but how important is having a relationship for you, actually? <laughs> I, like, because <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, obviously, you have a extraordinary profile. I would say where you are, yeah, you. you know, you're very independent and everything. And I think that type of profile comes with the understanding that not everyone is going to be for you, and it's okay. So mm-hmm. how and then how important is it for you to be in a relationship? Maybe for you, it's not that important. Yeah, it's uh, it's so interesting question. I didn't see if it's coming at all. Um, yeah, I was I was together with my ex right for five years, and we yeah. we broke up in in August. And yeah. then for me coming back to Vietnam, it's so special, like because I only been in Vietnam with him, lived here in the same apartment, and then coming back being CEO of our like uh, tech startup Fika working with that full time and at the first time also for many many years like single and i was think that i was my style right when things happened when, we, when i broke up with uh, with him i was like hyping up with my girlfriends here it's like oh single life yeah. oh, so nice <laughs> yeah i was like hyping up like in the summer it's like yeah because for me it was uh, i mean five years is a long time I, I thought that we would of course like plan a future together and so and so and I mean, um, it was um, just like, uh, yeah, like grow apart, you can say. And then it was quite, it was, wasn't any fight or like, you no, know, something like dramatic. And then I think that the decision was quite rational in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you can, okay, you sort of make up your mind and then you, okay, this, that, that like breakup happens, you end the relationship. And then logically, I was thinking, I was just hyping up so much like uh, with my friends. Like, ah, yeah, when lockdown is over, (laughs) we're going to have some fun. And like, uh, yeah, like going out and so and so. And then I came back here um, two and a half months ago. Not that long time ago, actually. And I had so much going on with Fika also. Like we just announced the press release and then it was, and I came back to the apartment, right? Where I was been living and oh, like first time in my life, like first time in my life here in Vietnam, like single, uh, so much things on the work and like so much things. And for me, it's not like, you know, since it's work, it's not nine to six. It's like, it's everything. Life is work and work is life uh, for me. <laughs> but then I didn't, I didn't just like think so much about what I want, but I just thought that in my head that, uh, yeah, probably I should I should be single now. And then I 
met someone. <laughs> okay, yeah. So like, um, yeah, so I, I uh, yeah, so I, yeah, dated, uh, or like, yeah, dating this, uh, <laughs> this person. <laughs> and uh, I think it's, uh, it was so, you know, like to think about like, work is so much like you have to like push forward like we've been like doubling expanding our team and so and so so much happening and at the same time try to figure out what you want and I just like oh you will feel it and or whatever but about that if a relationship is important to me I think since I'm so independent I thought no after you've been together for five years with someone no no I should I should be single and I don't think like it's anything like completely right or wrong but the most important thing is just to understand what you want and so and I think that I had this mindset, like this, this was very recently, right? Like two and a half mm-hmm. months ago when I came back is what, yeah, I should probably be single. But at the same time, I started to see this uh, person. Yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, the more you say I should be single and the universe, all it's here is like, here is someone for you. <laughs> the universe is like challenge accepted here, Denise. <laughs> now, yeah. now you say you want it or not. <laughs> yeah, and it was so special being single being the CEO of our social and dating mm. app, you know? And then at the same time also, because I have been starting Fika, like social and dating app when I've been in a relationship all the time. Mm-hmm. But now for the first time, I can relate more to, actually like really relate to this. I mean, I was trying out different apps and so to like get a user yeah. understanding, but now I get it like another level. So about like relationship and, and uh, it's not, I would say important for me to have a relationship but it's important for me to, but I think like looking back how I spent the most of my 20s, it's being in a relationship with someone. So that is more probably than my normal state than in my 20s. So now, of course, since I was in a relationship for, for five years, sharing my life uh, with someone, then that's like normal for me to do. But mm-hmm. also when you're like, and now when I'm 31 soon, 30 and before I was 25, I had this list of criteria that I wanted guys to have, <laughs> but it changed. Yeah, but it changed a lot. Yeah. So uh, I thought that when I became like a singular, I thought that, oh yeah, this is my, my list. Uh, I had like charming smile, uh, <laughs> like these kind of things. Six back. <laughs> exactly, six back, charming smile, <laughs> uh, like nice eyes, you know? Yeah. And I, I had exactly like 184. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was like, um, and then I had this like, but what do I want now? Because it's different when I was 25 mm-hmm. versus now when I'm like 30. And yeah, I think that now the latest, uh, that's why this, this discussion is so interesting. But yeah, the latest uh, month, I think, I realized that I would be open to have a relationship with the right person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's interesting. It's, it's so interesting that I'm in the, this business and all that we're doing with Fika and just like with the relationships and so, because in the end, it starts with you and what you want. And I think for for me, for I think... In one way, it's, it can be easier if you meet someone when you're like 22, because then your 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 backgrounds are sort of the same, like university or like whatever. Yeah. You're not so you don't have so much baggage. You're not so hurt and so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but now, when you're meeting someone, you, the thing is that you know more what you like and don't like, yeah. and also you you, you became more like independent. Mm-hmm. You're more like self on yourself, and like this is what I like, and this is how I want things, and so and so. And sort of to, I think you're more adaptable also when you're like under 25 in a way. Mm-hmm. I think for me anyway, I was, when I was living in different countries before, when I was below 25, I always tried to mm-hmm. adapt more to, uh, I had a Russian ex-boyfriend, Vietnamese ex-boyfriend, Swedish ex-boyfriend, I mean, uh, different cultures and so I could adapt more. 
but now I think I I still it's still like uh, yeah I can I can adapt of course it's just more that I know more what I want now um, and I'm before when I was like before 25 the reason was where I studied different languages it was because I was so interested in understanding people and for me it was also super interesting to be with a person from another culture mm-hmm. Russian <laughs> like Vietnamese or like uh, Thai or or so but now I'm not so uh, yeah I think now I'm focusing on other things and I wouldn't like to be in a relationship with someone that wouldn't suit me Understand <laughs> you, yeah, for sure have you been in a relationship most of your 20s different relationships yeah yeah have you been like so you've never had alone alone time in your 20s you would say mm, mm, I had like like one year between the relationships okay. and so so yeah I had okay. some so, some and how alone did that, time how did that go <laughs> Yeah, very crazy single life. <laughs> very extreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I enjoy actually my single life, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm just totally shouting out to all the single ladies out there, like <laughs> enjoy this moment. And I can totally relate to what you are saying. Like when we are younger, when we don't know what we want, we actually let's say because we cannot express what we want that's why we when something is not really necessarily our liking we still let's say we compromise mm. or put up with it yeah. and then we can easily morph into our into saying like no oh, it's fine it's actually fine but the more we know ourselves actually i think each side had its good and bad sides like whether you are 22 or now we are 30 and then we know what we want it's definitely harder to find someone and then this is the <laughs> moment we where we all realize that yeah actually we just want a meaningful uh, <laughs> relationship and we have meaningful <laughs> conversations it doesn't matter if the person has six packs or not <laughs> yeah. and you know it takes some time to realize that that what really matters at the end it's the inside. I know everybody wants to hear this. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And and that's the challenge I had actually with dating apps. Mm. Like now you are the CEO of a dating app, so maybe mm. I thought this is the time for me to <laughs> <laughs> share, yeah. share the challenges because um, you know on a dating app you usually just see how the person looks, mm. and of course there's some description about the person itself, but then. It's so hard to filter, like, you know, as a, in a list. Like, you know, mm. back then we made a list of what we want in a person mm. and then do the same method when it's about a dating app. Like, okay, does the person match the list mm. or not? Yeah. But the order you get, I don't know if you can fear this, that it's harder to make a distinction based on the list. You can make some filtering, mm. filtering, but at the end of the day, like, what kind of conversation you're gonna have with each other yeah yeah the relationship is so uh, like with dating as overall it's like it's crazy right i mean T- tinder came in 2012 it's like 10 years ago almost and like the oh, way that yeah it's crazy right <laughs> and then the way that i mean the way that we can find people i mean that is still the best option for my single friends in in sweden like everywhere right and it's crazy yeah. that uh that is with technology going so fast that we haven't yeah, okay, you add in video and, and, and so, of course, but that there is nothing like really more there because relationships, it's so important. And I think it's so complex. And I think if you can solve that, or like if you can improve that, you're really like onto something. And I think that there's like what we, 
initially when me and Oscar started Fika, we just know that, okay, market opportunity, we both lived in China, like similarities between China and Vietnam. We wanted to start Fika because we didn't have maybe, we just wanted to individualize the matchmaking process more because it seems so randomized that, of course, you can meet someone on the street, right? You can meet someone on, a, on this app or like wherever, on a restaurant. It's, so it's just a way to connect. But then there's so much like humans and relationships. We are clearly, since we're talking about all of this, right? It's like our childhoods, about how we look at things. And so there's so much yeah. more. And I think that with data and also with, in the end, it's about how can you find a perfect Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, like a perfect person <laughs> for you if you don't know who you are and what you, and sort of what you want and looking for. And then also learning more about yourself. And it's so complex. Yeah, if it, it be is. like, it's like, some sometimes people for for example with this like swipe breath to light and so it's so easy if it's like apartment you can you can adapt this kind of like the the model like on mm-hmm. a lot of like physical things right i mean you want to shop online it's like yes no yes no yes no yes no but the way we we use it the same way right now because that is like for, for us a lot of people meet like online right and then meet through for example tinder and that is really right now it's quite binary is like you see you see like a very limit and it's like yes no yes no yes no yes no yeah and that's the start i mean we, it's anyway a mean to connect but there's so much more that you could add in there and i think that if you that we want to do if we can solve that i think uh, it's very needed uh, these days can yeah. relate more personally now it's it's definitely needed i mean it's also what you said it's important to know ourselves first actually to actually define what we want in a relationship and i i feel like I myself struggled for a long time when I wanted in a relationship because <laughs> I didn't know myself. And I think all the mistake I made in my mm. early years is because I didn't know myself. And then I, when it comes to relationship, I, 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 I don't know, like, okay, is this really what I want? Or is actually, I, I just have some image in my head that I've seen in the movies, like in the Disney movies or in Hollywood movies, mm. <laughs> what I actually should look for in a relationship. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's pretty complex. I Mm. I, I just wanted to add to that. I mean, I, I there is obviously a bigger conversation to have about dating apps, but I think I, at least from my perspective is you get out of the dating app whatever you're willing to put in. So if you're putting in some vulnerability, some mm. transparency or anything like this, you'll get a little bit more depth. Mm. If you're going in like, you know, and you swipe right just for the looks, then mm. obviously as a guy, you'll just get shallowness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, it's, and for yeah. girls, and I, I think for girls you know on tinder if you swipe right you'll probably get like a match mm-hmm. every time because yeah. you know there's techniques and there's statistics at the end of the day it doesn't change the fact that there is going to have to be some human interaction mm. and it needs to be a balance of you know who you who you know you are mm. and how much you're willing to 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 display on the first date and then yeah. later on but You'll never escape the fact that at some point, if you get into a relationship, there's going to be farting in bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, be, yeah, You know, the dirty part needs to come out yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah. And so the more you try to control it or cover it, and I feel like, you know, that's where you you remove a certain aspect and it's just about the yeah. their appearances. Yeah. But yeah. The way we looked at, like, we usually say that Fika, we have, we want to be this, like, full journey. So step one is about understanding yourself. And then, I mean... Mm-hmm. With tech, uh, like app, it takes like, we had, we had a vision and it takes like longer time to develop the product and so on. But the step one is understanding yourself, personality tests, like maybe like your love language or like uh, just that, okay, you are this 
uh, I mean, I'm, I'm for example ENTJ personality mm-hmm. type and, and so and then after that when you understand sort of more about who you are that's the base for everything like if you want to work with something or like what kind of what you want in life the more you understand about yourself the, the better everything like with the relationship with friends with everything will become mm-hmm. and then the second step is to so we're having these like uh, we're launching our new websites next week so we have a lot of articles about self-growth like uh, relationships just different things because Step two is about based on who you are, finding about what you want, and like who and and it's 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 very complex also because it's not so easy to say that okay so I'm ENTJ uh, mm-hmm. so my best match is like INTP because so I'm extroverted so it just means that okay if I'm also with another who is extroverted it means that I can maybe think about these things if I'm introverted these things and it's more that taking more proactive approach like guiding that okay. Oh, maybe maybe just think about this in the like, human interaction relationship that if you are with this kind of person, you can maybe find these like strengths together. These are the challenges because now it's just so like just like out, so, so randomized. And then so step one, understanding who you are mm-hmm. to understand, help understand what you want. And then step three is that so the more and more data it's and data is about like um, everything from actions in the app. You can see we can measure like okay, how long time do you spend on this profile? How many messages do you send? But also like data in terms of like your personal data in like, mm-hmm. oh, you are this personality type and you are you like this and this and this. And then at Fika, one of the things that we only have verified profiles. So that is also for like other, other apps. If they're going to do sort of the same, they have to throw away, throw out like mm-hmm. 50% of the profile because like chatbots, fake, a lot of fake photos, manga photos, like like you name it. But we have like measure because for AI, AI is just going to be so good as data is. So then in a safe environment, so you know that each person on, on Fika then like is real. And then based on who you are, based on like what you think, we can push up people higher up. And then what a lot of people don't think about in dating apps, uses churn or like they, they leave the app if they find the boyfriend or girlfriend, right? So this means that we have a good boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> so it means that like basically the more successful the app is, the the, the worse it is for, for them, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, with, with many dating apps, it's about you get the satisfaction when someone likes you, you know, like, oh, like you, you swipe, you know, it's just for fun and so and so. And that's like one thing. But then it's so crazy that what we have on the market right now, it's basically they're losing money. They're, they're, not, they're not gaining anything if you find the love of your life if that's what you want to find because mm-hmm. then you leave the app so that is why we are developing and we're going to launch it now and by the end of january the couples version so this means it's like similar to i don't know if you know like bumble bff but if you go into like best friend like friends mood mm-hmm. then others cannot see you because then so then it means that if you meet your partner in fika you can shut off so others cannot see you and you can continue to build on your relationship with that person and then also like from a business standpoint, I mean, if you have boyfriend or girlfriend, you're going to have some kind of social media that you interact through, right? And then, you know, Google Photos, you get these like memories together, like or Facebook, oh, I remember this time, you know, like uh, one year ago. So then you build your relationship together with the person because, and also because one thing is to, one, the first thing is to find out who you are and what you like. It's, and then it's like finding the person, it's just one, one step because I was saying it's like, after that, you have to work on your relationship together. And actually, I also realized that with my personal experience now, <laughs> the latest ones, that just because you find found a good, just because you know who you are, you found the sort of the person. And then the step between seeing each other to relationship, it's also like that step is also, and then what if then you had like an app maybe that could 
because we are, we are afraid we're afraid of rejection right like we don't we misunderstand each other a lot of different things so what if you had something that then could just be there for you and the easier way than couples therapy but like you know an app so anyway so mm-hmm. when you find a person if you want if you believe in spending the rest of your life with someone or if you want to spend a while with the person you're going to change you're going to go through challenges you could basically fall in love with anyone uh, and be in love for three months and after three months this like sense of love it disappears I like this like, oh. so then like because we actually we are uh we are programmed so that we adapt a lot during the first three months for the other person the honeymoon period honeymoon yeah. period and then like the real you know and that's why after a couple of months maybe you will not yeah and then a lot of people maybe think that as you mentioned us before that oh you, you have this idea about this is the relationship this is like going to be perfect and so we're getting fed by social media hashtag couple goals and so and then after a while you see oh my god we're having this uh, conflict because the thing is that we all know that it's going to be conflict at some point mm-hmm. because when you start to see someone everything's like happy hopefully like quite easy but then like for all my friends it's when they maybe became jealous you know the other became jealous it's really like but how do we feel from each other for each other and then the relationship you know goes to the next level because people are more like open with their feelings and i think that like for people to help people when to to find the person is just step one but then to like go from like dating to just actually like maybe committing to each other mm-hmm. if that's what you want and then in the relationship also like okay hey guys you get that in the couple's version oh hey guys uh three months passed if you feel like this like no. uh remember that this is like this is normal and so in the same thing as my my friend said the other day that actually our marketing director that she has this watch right so it says like now you are hungry or like uh, right. now you can feel tired because uh, so and then if she said that if her dad would say if the watch says time to move she'd be like okay i should move mm-hmm. but if her dad said it was like oh you should move you have been sitting she'd be like don't like i don't listen to you but mm-hmm. if you have something then so imagine that you have like a tool an app in this case that knows you so well because we know your data we know how you react and so we also know that like humans it's not so like rocking sign in that sense i mean after three months it's gonna happen we're gonna feel like this we're gonna have this like thoughts and so and mm-hmm. what if then you have this app saying that hey it, it's uh, it's okay this can this can happen and also say that okay um three months maybe you guys do this or like it can be more that uh, oh six months has passed you know that um, it's good to see each other doing a new activity together like try this out and so and so so it's more like that is what we that is what we want to build this is very interesting i picked up a couple therapy book last Uh year and i was going through with my current girlfriend Mm. and i was like oh there's so many questions i wish like you know were given to me at the beginning of every relationship i had like you know important questions to yeah. clear out the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, how, uh, yeah. From another person, right? <laughs> how do you see love? How do you see family? Yeah. How important is money for you? And and all those questions, I was like, yeah, like it's so we took the time and it was like 30 mm. sessions and we took the time to sit there. Yeah. And it took like it was real quality time because it was it was not just pleasure or anything like this, mm. but it was like taking the time to feel uncomfortable together because mm. we were talking about something so personal mm. but i feel like yeah i feel most of the time the once the honeymoon period is over we just realize that we're human and not perfect mm. and there is a, a whole bag of shit that everybody's carrying on you know baggage yeah and then suddenly you start smelling it and you're like oh shit like while you've been hiding your own bag of shit and like and then that's where people realize okay like if we want to get into a relationship 
there is going to be bad time. Mm. And how do you handle this? So I like how you presented that. Exactly. So I, if yeah, if the the app can like be some type of counseling for a couple once you're in the relationship, that would be amazing. Yeah. Like, you know, okay, great, you find someone, but don't forget. Yeah. Ask those questions. Yeah. Don't forget. You know, when it when something goes wrong, this is you know some of the things you can try. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know. And then sometimes it's easier to have like a third part like asking mm-hmm. because. Who wants to be have a talk about yeah. serious things? I mean, people are afraid for the confrontation, but then yeah. imagine that, for example, app then, yeah. and it's like, hey, uh, you answer to these questions here. Like now, you had this yeah. uh, counseling another another party. Yeah, it's also interesting that mm. you mentioned the three months because I also realized in my uh, dating life that somehow three months is a is a huge mark in whether you last or not. <laughs> kind of three months you idolize a person probably (laughs) and then after three months you realize like oh to make it serious you have to deal with challenges and i also learned this along the way that relationship is all about up and down up and down you always like have a honeymoon and then Mm. you always say something that you have to work on and then you come back Mm. and then but this it's like a cycle it's happening in a cycle yeah yeah Yeah, it's, it's that's why it's relationship it's so complex right and so interesting and it affects all of us and it's like life is working works like i mean if your relationship isn't with yourself and with the other mm-hmm. person that is that you care for if that isn't good then you're gonna feel bad so i feel i feel also looking at, at, the, at the profile and how you talked it seems like where fika is having the most social impact it's obviously through the users of the app but i feel like your team is actually being very positively impacted from like you know your work you're doing i, I heard that there is a really good uh vibe at your office and, oh. and i feel like it's something <laughs> you mean the non-existing <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but the the staff that you must have I'm, I'm pretty sure there is some vietnamese local there mm. there are like you know being impacted like they're probably hearing uh, new information about relationship and you know they're now the promoter of that that vision and it's it's mm. it's quite it's quite nice actually i'm, I'm pretty, yeah i'm happy that you I heard that good yeah it's actually was out with our marketing uh like yesterday and it's I think uh, it's so, uh, I mean, this is me and my co-founders, like uh, company startup. And I mean, we are ourselves. I don't try to pretend to be someone, something that I'm not. Uh, and he as well. And I think that the, the vision and what we want to do, it's super cool and amazing that it has. Like we have this, before I was the most senior person and looking at our managers now, they are a couple of years older than me and not because like age is like everything, but they could work anywhere. I think that any company in Vietnam would be so happy to have them clearly already. And they have chosen to work uh, with us and especially with me because, but for, for tech team, we have now like closer to actually 35, like you're going to go close to 40. Uh, but all of them, they are like, because everyone has a choice. Like you don't have to, you can work anywhere. And especially if they are so like, attractive on the market as attractive in general <laughs> but that's them that they have so many choices and i think that it's really cool to have these um that this these more like senior people and they are so passionate about what we're doing because as uh, maybe it's based on who, who i am and what you want to do with fika and just like the product you can see it's like so much more than just like uh, just dating app because what we want to do is our core values is growth authenticity and empowerment mm. and i think mm-hmm. the reason why you said you, you saw me maybe in some uh, maybe like it's uh, interviews and and so is that a ceo you you can you're a bit like public with the company also and it's just funny because i mean for me growth authenticity and empowerment it's it's very important 
And it's very integrated. That is, it's like me and it's also like my co-founder. And I think that we are, what you see, what we're doing like from the outside, it's also how it is like inside. Mm -hmm. We work hard uh, and we're like having this like positive like uh, energy and we really want to make, uh, yeah, I think we all know that we want to make, we want to change certain things. Like there are things that can be improved and people, they, I think they feel that and they feel like the energy and it's quite cool that we are all quite young especially in tech companies, there are that, not that many like women. Most of our managers are, are women, like really the majority. Amazing. And, yeah. And of course, in startups, not that many female founders. Tech startups, like even fewer. CEO also like even fewer. And I think it's quite cool that we are, we're doing this. And I think that we are so, it's just me and my co-founder. We have two people from the VQ from the US uh, and one who is in, in the US, but the rest of them are like local Vietnamese. And just, just like, just how I grew up, uh, Swedish, but uh, like very proud to be from Vietnam. And I mean, Fika, we are 95% of everyone are, are Vietnamese. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes say that, yeah, sometimes I'm Vietnamese, sometimes I'm Swedish, sometimes I'm like both. And so it doesn't really matter to me that much. But I think that people feel the energy and feel, feel like they're proud to like be doing this like in Vietnam. Like uh, mm -hmm. a lot of good people wanted to invest in Fika and like uh, we believe in it and yeah, it's like a rocket ship uh, <laughs> moving yeah. up, so it's, it's very fun. Yeah, it's, I'm sure definitely Tracy is very excited. How are you gonna revolutionize dating, not only in Vietnam but yeah, also all singles, all right, <laughs> on in the world. Like me as a single, like looking forward to a change of landscape in terms of dating apps. Yeah. So I think we came to an end of this episode because I think we already touched upon like so many things, and it was really amazing to hear about you as a person i myself read a lot about on its social on social media but it was so nice to see you in person and hear mm. about your story you are bringing and also your vision for dating and for fika thank you so, yeah thank you so much denise for joining us thank you for yeah. having me i really enjoyed this uh didn't really see all these questions coming. <laughs> i i didn't we didn't write any of those questions it's just for me i again because i've I went through most of the links that you had on your Facebook and I was mm. like, okay, there is, you know, we, I didn't want to talk so much about you. the things that you've talked about already mm. and it, it's your profile. And so when you, when you said what you said, I was like, okay, mm. this is where I think there is the most impact and value. So, and thank you so much for sharing about those things. I can relate to, I, I'm inspired today again. I love when I do interviews like this and I, I can mm. walk away inspired and I've yeah. met someone cool. It was super cool that you did like this because I mean, uh, I actually, since this is not my first podcast and I'm in the interviews, it's like, okay, I mean, it's a little bit, I understand that people ask like similar questions because that's like, mm -hmm. but these, uh, these things, it's, uh, it's so important also to like, it's in some ways it's, uh, I mean, yeah, like achievements. And so uh, I have done that. Yes. And certain things, but mm -hmm. what made me, why do I want to do this? And like, what made me do it? I think that mm -hmm. that can really be an inspiring for people and also to see that life happens to you and then it's about what you want to do with it that's it's gonna matter mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> very yeah. good thank you so much denise thank you thank, so you. Much, denise. thank you thank you thank you so much for listening to creators in vietnam 
If you like this episode, become a part of our mission to inspire others by leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcast. Also by sharing this episode with your friends on social media. This one small act can truly make a difference in someone's life. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and see you next time. Thank you.